The last several years, I have done some work on my genogram. Looking back on my family's history, seeking understanding on the kinds of relationships and stories held there. In the process, I've come to understand there have been stories of mental health challenges, a death by suicide, stillborn infants, unresolved grief, difference in treatment of sons and daughters, unhealthy use of silencing, and passive-aggressive communication. Some of these stories I hadn't known of before, but there were definitely others that I did not. I was much more familiar with the stories of my family's deep faith, hard work, hospitality, and tight-knit communities where love of each other, of music, mission, and God were valued. I had come to value the stories of the knowledge that has been passed down through my agrarian roots that taught me how to grow food and preserve it. To see that beauty is all around us in the wild wonder of creation and to value hard work and steadfast courage forged from a deep well of faith. Standing here knowing all of these stories now, I can say that I'm grateful to know all of them, as difficult as they are. Slowly, these stories are becoming integrated into my story. It's so easy to talk about the positive, uplifting stories of our lives and push down the difficult and painful ones. But the truth is, if we are human, and I don't think AI has caught up to this yet of actually duplicating a human, we are all in the human path. Every one of us holds stories of complexity, interwoven with pain and joy, questions and answers, certitudes, and definitely uncertainty. Well, Jacob certainly carried complexity in his family story. And we just got a snippet of, this, of it this morning and not necessarily connected with his family. So I want to give you a broad sweep of what led him to this place of wrestling. Jacob is a grandson of Abraham and Sarah. He's the second twin son of of Isaac and Rebekah, the younger twin with Esau, his brother. From the time they were born, there seemed to be competition. And it couldn't have helped that Esau was Isaac's favorite and Jacob was Rebekah's. Esau loved the outdoors, hunting and wild game, and Jacob liked being around home and learned to cook. And there were also the social practices and norms at the time to give the honor of the birthright, property, and favoritism to the oldest son. But in this story, Jacob pressured Esau to give his birthright to Jacob 
And then ultimately, Rebekah orchestrated Jacob to fool Isaac into giving Jacob his blessing reserved for the eldest before Isaac died. Favoritism, jealousy, hate, manipulation were all in Jacob's growing up years. Also intertwined with a family that was seeking to be faithful to God. Once Jacob received Isaac's blessing, he left his family upon his parents' encouragement to flee Esau's rage. He was also told to seek out a wife from Rebekah's family. And thus began his story in Laban's household, where he did find his wives, where manipulation, lying, and trickery met him. And yet he also encountered love, family, and prosperity. After around 20 years, Jacob wanted to return to his family and in fact had received a message from God saying as much to do so. And once he was able to finally negotiate leaving uh, with Laban, his father-in-law, he began staging his reunification with Esau. Jacob was hoping to win back Esau's favor through extravagant gifts, assuming that Esau continued to hold resentment against him. The night before Jacob was to meet Esau, Jacob wrestled with this man. At the end, declaring that he had seen God face to face and demanding a blessing before he would finally let him go. It was as if Jacob finally was trying to come to peace with the different pieces of his past. As dawn was breaking, Jacob did receive his blessing and a new name, Israel. He then continued on to see Esau, still bracing for what reception he would have, and was surprised when instead of rage, Jacob was met with love and forgiveness through Esau's embrace. Michelle von Loon, in a recent book entitled Translating Your Past, Finding Meaning and Family Ancestry, Genetic Clues, and Generational Trauma, says, Each time we connect what may seem at first to be disconnected puzzle pieces, we are moving toward wholeness and growing in understanding of who we are and who God is. I liken Jacob's wrestling as a pivotal moment, a puzzle piece in his life where he grew in understanding of who he was. It was in this new space of blessing from the Holy One that he was fully ready to meet Esau, where he was surprised by love, freeing them both from the past rage and hate that held them apart. We also have complex relationships in our families. 
and not only in our families of origin, but also in our religious and non-religious families. This was a dynamic at play in the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. Samaritans and Jews had a complex historical relationship. Pat McCloskey, a Franciscan, states it like this. Imagine the hatred between Serbs and Muslims in modern Bosnia, the enmity between Catholics and Protestants in Northern Ireland, or the feuding between street gangs in Los Angeles or New York. And you have some idea of the feeling and its causes between Jews and Samaritans in the time of Jesus. Both politics and religion were involved. So it was incredibly significant that Jesus and his disciples were traveling through Samaria instead of around it, as often Jewish travelers did, to avoid the people of Samaria. It was also significant that this Samaritan woman arrived at the well around noon, nearing the heat of the day. Maybe she really couldn't get there until then, or more likely, based on the history Jesus shares of hers, she was on the social outcast list and wanted as much as possible to avoid people for the shame and the guilt that met her through people's gazes or actions towards her. That shame that she may have felt is a manipulating force that can find its way into everyone. No one is immune. It has the power to influence relationships and patterns of behavior. Dr. Kurt Thompson, who's a psychiatrist in Northern Virginia, he also worships at Washington Community Fellowship. He wrote a book called The Soul of Shame. He says this, To be human is to be infected with this phenomenon we call shame. We work hard to cover it up. And our coping strategies have become so automatic that we may be completely unaware of its presence and activity. Its power lies in its subtlety and silence. Shame gives us the message that we don't measure up. We aren't cool enough, smart enough, successful enough, good-looking enough, experienced enough. It is the message that we are not enough. And if you can identify with any part of this sentiment and the emotions that can be drawn to the surface as a result of it, then you have a little taste into what the Samaritan woman may have been living with. And so Jesus encounters this woman at the well. And he doesn't operate from the cultural pressures and so requests a drink from her. And she understandably questions him. For all she knew, it could have been a trap of some kind to take advantage of her. 
But instead, their conversation becomes one in which Jesus speaks about a living water that will quench all thirst. He divulges the woman's relational history, then concludes with a vision of worship occurring not just in the sacred places that are mentioned on a mountaintop or in Jerusalem, but insinuating that the Samaritans and Jews may worship together. Once the Samaritan woman acknowledges her belief in the coming Messiah, Jesus then does the ultimate confession by saying that he is this one. Needless to say, her encounter with Jesus was transformative. Jesus saw her heart, knew her history. Jesus himself was vulnerable, disclosing who he was. And this act of vulnerability on Jesus' part, leaning into the relationship, sheds light on the shame she showed up with. The Samaritan woman comes face to face with an act of vulnerability filled with love instead of judgment. It is as if the power of shame disintegrated. Freed, hopeful, and joy-filled, she leaves and becomes the bearer of good news to her community, where Jesus ends up spending a couple of days with them, teaching, bridging, and perhaps being a pivotal part of the healing of healing the gap that had been there for centuries. Jacob and the Samaritan woman both carried complex stories. Their scattered and broken lives encountered vulnerable spaces where wrestling and revealing occurred, stripping the shame of its power, where being known, seen, and love continued a path of healing and wholeness. We are similar, holding complex stories, histories, pasts. We also have been created for relationships. These relationships are complex and difficult at times, and yet also bring us much joy. The same is so with our Creator. We long for deeper knowing and acceptance love and grace, beauty and belonging. When we truly live from a well of these elements, we know what living water tastes like. It is what leads us on this journey towards wholeness. I realize that sharing of ourselves is vulnerable and can be scary. And I would like for us to encourage us to see it as Dr. as Dr. Thompson puts it, vulnerability provides the opportunity for discovery and creation, for the emergence of beauty and goodness. For vulnerability, when done in a safe relational or communal setting, creates space for God to bring us to greater places of integration and resilience.
creating within us undivided hearts and where joy is the byproduct. It is a challenge to find those, place, those spaces in our scattered society. And sometimes our interior space can feel scattered as well. Where we are cared for to be courageous, vulnerable, and truly open to transformation. In our society, we do have a healthier acknowledgement of our need for support of counseling, spiritual directors, mentors, or where we can find a group of people that can share the journey together. Every once in a while, we find a group of people that we can journey closely with, and it is a true gift. So if you find yourself longing for a small community of support and sharing, let one of us pastors know. We hope to continue to nurture belonging, whether it is in the form of a small group, a faith formation class, Gestalt pastoral care circles, guess who's coming events, or perhaps you have another idea of how you long to create this space for yourself. Our longings are real. Our stories need care and a place to belong. I offer a closing poem as a prayer for all of our longings, written by John O'Donohue and entitled, For Longing. And I invite you to take in these words with your eyes closed, noticing words or phrases that stand out to you, or perhaps a sensation you have in your body that you would like to offer to God in prayer. Blessed be the longing that brought you here and quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of desire that disturbs you when you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease, to discover the new direction your longing wants you to take. May the forms of your belonging in love, creativity, and friendship be equal to the grandeur and the call of your soul. May the one you long for, long for you. May your dreams gradually reveal the destination of your desire. May a secret providence guide your thought and nurture your feeling. May your mind inhabit your life with a sureness with which your body inhabits the world. May your heart never be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. May you come to accept your longing as divine urgency. May you know the urgency with which God longs for you. Amen.
I invite you to join with me in reading together the confession in your order of service. Together. God of wholehearted living, we wrestle with the realities of our scattered lives, striving to fulfill dreams and hopes. We feel the cracks within us, leaving us broken and confused, numb and fearful. We long for your streams of living water to flow within us, but confess we often get distracted. Forgive us when we allow our emptiness to lead us instead of your spirit. Forgive us when our fear drives us more than love. We open ourselves step by step to forgiveness, to the stream of life, to the power that transforms our fear, to the love that heals our wounds. Breathe in God's radiant peace that is for all. Amen.